Welcome to season four of the Invest Your Best podcast with Allie Kay. Come along as I casually explore what it takes to live your best life mentally and physically by focusing on the things you can control, your thinking and actions. Come and listen as I have open, real, and honest conversations about what it takes to step into action to live your best life. It's time to invest your best. On this episode of Invest Your Best with Ali Kay, I am so excited to have on Jody, who is the kid coach here locally in Lakeland. She offers solution-focused services for parents, kids, divorced couples. She offers a service called Harmony at Home, which helps clients in every different stage of their lives, whether you're an overwhelmed parent, a single individual needing guidance, or a couple navigating divorce. She offers in-home services, and she also offers her services online. On this episode, I basically pick Jody's brain on all the parenting questions I have had on my mind. And, you know, as parents, we are truly trying to do the best we can do, but sometimes we just need a few extra tools in our toolkit. So on this episode, I asked Jody questions like, how can I replace the yelling at my kids? How do I get my kids to sleep in their bed by themselves all the way to how to introduce talking about talking about sex with your kids. So nothing is off the table on this episode. So stick around. Get comfortable. Get comfortable. <laughs> Welcome to the Invest Your Best podcast with Allie Kay. So I'm so excited because I have my first like in-person guest and I feel like this is a new experience because like you're actually here. So I have Jody. She is a kid coach. Jody, tell me a little bit about your background. Like what is a kid coach versus like a therapist and like what are the services that you offer? Okay. Well, hi, I'm really happy to be here too. It's exciting for me to meet you. I follow you on Instagram. Um, I, so I have spent the last 15 years as a marriage and family therapist and therapists have different distinctions. Marriage and family therapists, um, look at systems instead Mm -hmm. of an individual, they look at a whole system and how the dynamics interact. So I've worked in inpatient, outpatient, partial residential, foster care, community mental health, private practice, the whole shebang. And so I've done, and also home-based therapy. And so I've kind of taken the best of all of those and I've created the Kid Coach. The reason for that is because I, over the years, I'm not a labeler. Mm -hmm. I'm not a big, they, sometimes they have their benefits, but I felt like with what I was doing, it was harming 
the family more than it was helping the family mm-hmm. in the way that they saw the chi- their child, um, the way they treated them differently once there was a label on them. So anyway, I started the Kid Coach. Yes. I just want to stop you here because this is something I am so passionate about and what you're ultimately describing or diagnosis. Yes. And so I went to school too for my mental health counseling. Oh. I'm a graduate and I took the, the state exam and then I never did my hours. Mm-hmm. And I... I have my own experience with the mental health field and I was diagnosed obviously with multiple diagnoses and I felt like that was my identity. Yes. And I struggled with that in school because it was like, okay, you're, this is your diagnosis as a kid. This is their category. And like, I don't know, talk to me about like your experiences with diagnosis, what they ultimately are, because ultimately they guide treatment, right? They're not supposed to define a person. Right. So exactly. They're supposed to guide treatment, but often what happens is, especially with family therapy and especially with children, is that you see that there's something off with your child and you want an answer. Mm -hmm. And most people, before they ever walk through my door, had already done their Googling. So they already kind of had their own diagnosis because that gives you a sense of control. Right. That you understand what, what they are and you start treating them that way. And it really is, like you said, supposed to be a guide. And there are children out there who do have true diagnoses. Right. Um, but I found the vast majority did not. And that changed the trajectory of their life. Yeah. And so with the kid coach, it's not, we don't look at the past like therapy. It's forward focused. It's solution focused. And it really, before you get into saying that is the identified patient, as you know, that's Mm -hmm. the IP and this is what's wrong with them. I look at the whole system, how, what is contributing to their behavior? Nine times out of 10, especially with children, it's the system and everybody's doing the best they can. I'm not saying that anybody's hurting their child or anything like that, but without training, you know, you just don't know. Right. I, so that's what I truly think. It's like, we all, I know as like a parent, I'm trying to do the best that I can. And I know other people out there, but it's like, sometimes we just don't have full toolboxes. Like we don't have any tools in there. And like, one thing I'm going to talk to you about is like, I, I'm resorting to yelling now, you know, but it's because I have an empty toolbox. So I'm so excited to just talk to you about like tools, because I really think it is like, we are trying to do the best that we can, but we need more tools. We need more tools for sure. And when, when that's basically when I'm working with a family, I go into their home virtually or physically, and I just kind of observe the dynamics. I ask questions because every family is different. Mm -hmm. That's another key thing. They don't fall in under a category. Every person is unique and their dynamics are unique. So I observe that and then I come up with a plan for them. And that is really the key. And that's what I would recommend to you because the tools for your toolbox come from that personalized plan. Right. So, um, if you're, 
if you're yelling at your kids, for instance, instead of just saying, okay, I'm not going to yell at them anymore because that's not going to work. You know, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do about your frustration? What's causing those issues? Mm -hmm. What are the dynamics around it? And then how does that affect your child and how does it affect you? Okay. I want to jump into this because this is, so I have an eight year old, Mm -hmm. I have a three year old turning four in June and then I'm expecting. So my kids, there's, they're all at developmental different ages, which is great. But I'm, I think I'm struggling the most with my eight year old just because this is a, this is true parenting. You know, the parenting is like, it's getting real and he's, he's great. He's very persistent, but in a, in a great way. Like I see that as a strength, you know, and he likes to negotiate and he likes to understand why you're saying no, you know, and he wants to feel validated. He wants to make sure that he's heard. And if not, then there's, there's this push and pull between us. And that's when like, sometimes I can honor that, you know, and I, and I can really truly take the time, but sometimes the answer is just no. And I need him to accept the answer and move on. And sometimes I lose my crap and I yell, you know? So it's like, how with a child like that, how do I manage that? Um, like honoring him, like saying that, okay, I hear you, but the answer is still no. (laughs) So in the simplest way, consistency. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I say consistency is because the reason he's negotiating with you is because it has worked before. Right. And it's true. (laughs) This is, this is what my husband says. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he's going to his own toolbox of Mm -hmm. what works. And this is with all children, even children with quote unquote problem behavior, they're going to their toolbox and they're using that because it works for them, right. whether it's a temper tantrum in the supermarket or whatever it may be, that works to get them what they need. Uh-huh. And so I would say for you, make the rule and tell him this is non-negotiable. It's a no. Mm-hmm. And stay calm. And as he persists, you say, I'm going to tell you that's no one more time. And if he continues, you say, the answer is no. I need you to go take a break, mm-hmm. go read a book, listen to music, whatever it may be, and redirect him. Got you. And then let's talk about like age appropriate consequences. Mm-hmm. So like my my son, luckily, the eight-year-old does really well with like taking the time out, you know, whether yes. it's in his room, he responds really well. But I have friends where like their five-year-old does not respond to timeout. They don't respond to, I know some of my ca- friends spank, you know, mm-hmm. every parenting style is different, but, and the kid responds to different things. So what are some like age appropriate cons- uh, consequences or the redirection of behavior that like I could resort to or other people in like that situation? So timeout is actually my favorite <laughs> consequence. Um, and I always give this example um, of, of kind of the kid coach method. You have an ex- expectation, mm-hmm. right? So let's say your expectation for your child is to listen the first time, mm-hmm. and which includes accepting no, right? And their consequence is if they don't do that and you give them their couple of warnings, then they have to go take a timeout. Right. Um, when you're driving down the road and you're just, you know, listening to your tunes and going along and you don't even realize you're speeding Mm -hmm. and you get pulled over, whether you get a ticket or not, it doesn't matter. You, 
you had an expectation to go the speed limit. Mm -hmm. Somebody pulled you over and gave you a timeout. And whether you have a ticket or not, when you get back on the road, you're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm going to follow all of these rules, (laughs) you know, because you've had that moment to regroup. And Mm -hmm. so when timeout doesn't work, it's because it's been inconsistent. Got you. So for instance, they're in timeout, they're, you know, they're crying or they're opening the door and running out and you're like, oh, just forget it. Right. Well, now they know I have a tool in my toolbox and they get their way. And that's what I'm going to do next <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. So, oh, ooh, sorry. <laughs> Overall, it's consistency. And I know like, so I posted the question box on Instagram, like ask me some questions because, you know, I'm interviewing. I have Jody, the kid coach. And a lot of questions were the whole sleeping thing, you know, like sleeping in your own bed. And I know this is something that I too struggle with where they start off in their bed and then in the middle of the night they're in our beds and we've gone back and forth with saying no you can't but then sometimes we give in and it's overall like the consistency thing so how do I start like two and then some of the questions were like they have to lay with their child for 30 you know before they fall asleep or until they fall asleep so what do you see this a lot like as a kid coach with the sleep tell me just a little bit about that so you don't want to shock your poor little child's world. Right. So you just kind of, you explain to them, right? Communication is key. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen tonight? I'm going to lay down with you instead of for 20 minutes, I'm going to lay down with you for five minutes. We're going to read mm-hmm. a book. Then I'm going to lay down with you and I'm going to check on you five minutes later. They're going to stay awake. They're going to wait for you to check on them. They're going to ask you just have to stay consistent mm-hmm. and continue to reduce. Gotcha. So it's like what I talk about with like the whole health thing. It's those small changes to build that habit. Yes. It's not anything extreme. Exactly. Behavior is like a, a muscle like anything else and it takes time to develop and there are growing pains and your muscles will be sore and you will want to give up. Mm-hmm. But I encourage everybody to just push through and keep going because you're going to get stronger and everybody's going to learn. Right. And see, that applies to everything. Like even what I say, like consistency is key. We have the better days, you know, mm-hmm. bad days, but it's just pushing through and sticking to your guns. Exactly. Okay. I have to ask you this because this is like another thing. And I know so many of us are struggling with as this continues to develop technology, um, what's your, like, what are you seeing a lot of from like clients of like complete, like the technology with their kids? What are some of the things we can look out to? What are some of just like the tips with technology and like, especially me with the eight year old kind of getting to that age where like their friends have iPads or they have like, they want to FaceTime now, like talk to me about that. Oh, this is such a huge issue. I'm just about to start a series on this. Awesome. Whole Where can we find this? Is this online or? Yes. Okay. It'll be at the Kid Coach Lakeland. Okay. And um, it, screen time, it's so difficult because it's just out there. Everybody's doing it, like you said, mm-hmm. and abstinence is not always the thing that will work, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of take a balanced approach, but I will say the younger they are, hold off introducing them to technology as Mm -hmm. long as you can. Handing them your iPhone when you're in the supermarket and they're nine months old. I know. Is 
not a good... and it's so common especially like going out to dinner like you look around and I mean I am guilty of it too yes. like you look around it's like the kids have the technology in front of them yes and so the the problem is is that everybody loves this okay I am as guilty as a three-year-old or that nine-month-old I mean it's in front of me and I'm like the the synapses are just like ping 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 yeah you know and you never have to be bored right? As soon as you never have to tolerate boredom, increase your patience or anything. Cause as soon as you're bored of whatever you're watching, you go to the next, you just thing. go to the next thing yep. and it's just constant stimulation. Mm-hmm. And so what happens for your brain muscle is that you don't build up any, um, any tools or skills to entertain yourself mm-hmm. or to tolerate boredom. That makes sense. And unwinding that is really difficult. So I always tell parents with actually food and with screen time, don't give them the junk as long as you can hold off as long as you can. When they're a baby, a banana is the sweetest thing they've had until they've had an Oreo cookie, you know, and then which will they prefer? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with screen time. If you can hold off as long as you can, I think that, that, Last I looked at it, I think it was 30 minutes for children after two, 30 minutes per day. And that includes a TV. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a huge thing coming out of COVID and everybody virtual schooling. The numbers are outrageous. It's increased 33%. They say that a person, child or adult touches their device one every four minutes. Oh my, I know I'm that statistic. Yes, <laughs> I mean, every four minutes. They even just out of habit when you don't have any alert or anything else, you just pick it up and you're like, hmm, what can I look at? You know? Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm starting to like feel it even in the car, you know, in between stops. It's like, I need to look at my, it's like this behavior that like I, yeah. Yes, because it, it's just constant, you know, stimulation and you're, bored and that's what you're looking for, right? But Mm -hmm. learning how to be still, especially teaching your children how to be still, Mm -hmm. how to occupy themselves. I mean, boredom is the key towards creativity, right? Right. I mean, that's when people invent things or they build forts or whatever they create. It's because they were bored. Right. That's it's So it's funny because my son is definitely, he's the firstborn, the oldest, and he's type A in the sense where I see him like he's very structured, you know, mm-hmm. that, that classic first child just description, <laughs> but he always has to be doing something like we can take him to Disney World and Legoland and like mm-hmm. Universal in one day and he'd be like, what's next? Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. So how can I teach him? Like, is there meditation for kids or like bored? Like, how do I incorporate the boredom for him? So again, everything's communication. First of all, there is meditation for kids. Um, I find the best meditation to start with is a guided sleep meditation for kids. Okay. There's, um an app. (laughs) (laughs) Technology is still wonderful though. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's called Ablefy. And, Uh and you can do at bedtime, 
if you don't want to use the app, you can do it yourself, but just okay. like a basic body scan meditation with them where you guide them through, you know, imagine, you know, you're in a field mm -hmm. and there's a breeze and, you know, wiggle your toes and move your ankles and mm -hmm. kind of as you move up their body, that will teach them the guide plus the the relaxation of their body, mm. take a deep breath, you know, keep going. Um, but if you don't want to do it, Abel, I will. <laughs> I love that. Well, so my son, he's also, he's, he saw something on YouTube years ago mm. and he's scared of ultimately sleeping alone. You know, there mm -hmm. is, it's the lack of consistency of us putting in the bedroom, but he's also scared. Yeah. And I think even like that meditation, like just understanding like you, the thoughts and, you know, yes. thinking of something else. And I love that. I'm going to try that up. Yes. What else? <laughs> yes. So, um, what was the question besides meditation? I think you were going to say something else about in addition to the app, if we didn't want to do the app, there is something else. I cut your train of thought. Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble getting back on it. <laughs> no, okay, just boredom. Like oh, how? Boredom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So communication. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. I'm so into this meditation thing right <laughs> I now. I love My it. Kids love to meditate. Yeah. And again, I started with bedtime, and we just now they'll say, you know, wherever, mom, can we do this? And it's great. So okay, boredom. So you communicate to them. Hey, listen, buddy we're struggling with boredom. Mm -hmm. Boredom can, can create all of these opportunities for you. And I want to start practicing that. So right now when we're bored, we just grab our device right. or, you know, whatever other stimulant we choose. And I want to practice with you. Let's just take five minutes right now. It's probably going to be a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but we'll do it together. And let's just chill. Let's be bored. See what thoughts come in our mind. And then we can talk about that. We can talk about, Hmm, what are your ideas? What do you want to do? Do you want to go outside Yeah, or whatever it is? And then again, you can increase that time, mm -hmm. but there's a myth that when you take away screen time to entertain your children, that you are now supposed to be their entertainer. And that is not what the goal is. The goal is that they can entertain themselves, right? But you're their parent. And so you want to start them on that process, go through it with them mm -hmm. until they're ready to be built up and set free. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I love that. And that's something even like I know I need to practice, you know, so that's something cool that we can do together and then kind of see what happens. I love that. This episode of the Invest Your Best podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. You guys know I am an advocate for mental health. And one of the things I have openly talked about is how therapy has changed my life. It has changed my life. And no matter what stage I am at, 
I have no shame about seeking therapy and talking openly about how therapy works. And without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. And the good news is that therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's honestly whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now or you just want some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in a relationship or at work and you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles because we are all going through it and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy and now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to and you can do therapy anywhere you are. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. You know I am all about this. And it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are the greatest asset. So we have a special offer for the invest, your best listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp dot com slash invest your best that's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash invest your best thanks again to better help for sponsoring this podcast episode and go get some therapy guys because it actually works what do you who how old are your kids who are your kids how old are your kids are they boy girl I have, well, my nine-year-old will be 10 on Saturday. It goes so fast. <laughs> yes, it really does. Um, and that, she's a girl, and then okay. I have a 12-year-old boy. Okay, so your oldest is a boy. Yes. Okay, another thing I've noticed is like this eight-year-old age, a lot of emotions, like mm-hmm. very emotional. How can I help him? And I know like emotional intelligence is such like a buzzword in today's Mm -hmm. world. You know, people are truly honoring it and, you know, educating people intelligence, especially when like he gets frustrated and has outbursts and all that. Like, how can I facilitate him to become more emotionally intelligent? Sure. Well, first, I would say start by he's a kid. He doesn't know what's going on. So start by identifying it for him. Okay. Hey, you look like you're frustrated right now. Is that this is what frustration feels like. And you can talk to them about it after because side note, you cannot teach in crisis. Okay. Right. When somebody is in an irrational frame of mind, there's nothing coming in. There's nothing (laughs) coming in. So you just wait, but talk about it after. I think what I saw was that you looked frustrated or you looked annoyed or you looked lonely Uh and talk to me about what you were feeling these conversations will be hard at first because they've never had them. Mm. So they're going to be like, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) I mean, I was just upset, you know, but, but to get them to a more specific emotion than just upset or angry to have them identify it when you know the feeling, then you Mm. know the tool that you need for that feeling because feeling frustrated or feeling lonely is different, right? Right. They can be exhibited the same way, 
but they're different. And so each one needs a different solution. Got you. Okay. And then I'm sorry, I'm like rapid firing. I have all these things. <laughs> what about sibling dynamics? So right now my kids, they're four years apart, four and a half years apart, but they still play really well together. And my oldest takes pride of like having a little brother. He loves it. But they're now getting to the age where they want the same toy. And my oldest is, a, is an instigator. Like he can instigate an egg on my youngest. And my youngest, I, I realize he can't really express himself. So he will resort sometimes to hitting or throwing a toy. And then I'm in the room and I hear them and I just come out. I'm like, what's going on? You know, how can I facilitate that in the moment to kind of like diffuse the situation without just being like, ah stop well again start small and when you walk into the room ask them both I say I'm on it ask you both what's going on first I'm going to ask you and then I'm going to ask you and we're not going to interrupt when okay. the other one is speaking and then have them speak to each other so that will help slow them down uh -huh. right now when one is speaking the other one's amping up they're like oh no 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 that's not what happened yeah. or whatever but help the first, ident slow down and identify what was happening. Uh -huh. And then the second, usually it's some kind of miscommunication, right. right? And there's some other emotion behind it that is contributing. And so when you slow it down, that's what you do is, is teach them to express themselves respectfully and then to speak to each other respectfully. I love that because I always, I am so guilty of just with the oldest being the oldest, I'm like, what did you do? Like what's mm -hmm. going on? And I know he's getting to the point like, mom, like you're not listening to me, you know? So I love just like even honoring both sides of that. Like I didn't think of that. So there's a tool, <laughs> another tool to my toolbox. There you go. <laughs> so let's go back. I just want to ask you personally, because I don't know what I am having. And I have a fear of having a girl just because it's foreign to me. You know, mm -hmm. I have two boys. So do you see the difference? Obviously, girls and boys are so different. But what are some of the differences that you see in your kids? One being a boy, one being a girl, especially if there's any like at school or even like kids that you worked with, do you see differences between girls and boys and like their behaviors or like their motivation towards schoolwork and all that? So in general, again, you know, kind of staying away from the labels and, and whatever, I, I, there are some differences, but it really is unique to each child. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for my children, it's much more of an older, younger dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, but there are, there are, you know, some traditional boy stereotypes and traditional girl stereotypes that they fall into. We didn't promote any of those, but um, I, I remember my son being less than a year old and being at a restaurant with him and he took the salt shaker and he was like... <laughs> you know, like a, like a car, you know, and he just, he loves that kind of stuff. He loves dirt and being outside and cars and my and, boys too. Yes. But my daughter also loves dirt. Uh -huh. <laughs> she doesn't like to sweat, but, <laughs> I love <that>. but she <laughs> loves dirt and she loves being adventurous, but she also loves or loved tutus mm -hmm. and, and those kinds of things. So there's a lot of, of those stereotypical things that come into play, but personality wise, I, I think it has a lot more to do with the dynamic in the system 
birth order, that kind of thing. Yeah. Let me, so one thing I've noticed is like my, my boys like school, you know, but they want to play <laughs> like, yeah. especially, um, both my kids love to be outdoors. So, and my oldest is he's in second grade. So he's starting to really get that work, you know, mm-hmm. laid on like it's homework time after school and not play time. And he's like, why, why do I have to do this homework? You know, what's your best advice to just helping me explain to him that school's important and this is what we have to do and all that and kind of just help support the development of really like loving to learn, you know, Mm -hmm. and not it just being like, you have to do your own work, you know, that type of thing. Well, so I think there's a little bit of a misconception with school too about, you know, everything has to be fun, but not everything is fun. Mm -hmm. It is hard work and learning anything new, whether it's learning how to be bored or learning how to subtract. Right. It, when you're first learning it, it's difficult and you don't want to do it. But first of all, role modeling work ethic is the number one thing you can do. He's watching you. He's watching your husband. Um, so I'm sure that that will, that will help contribute. But to tell him, you know, we have this time, set a time. It's going to be 30 minutes to do your homework. And I know we haven't had to do it before but this is something new in our lives now. It's new in our system and we have to make room for it. Mm -hmm. So every day after school, what I usually do is I say, it depends on the child, but if they can tolerate being outside for a half an hour before their homework, then let them get their wiggles out. If they can't, then give them a snack and get them started right away and get it over with. And again, that's unique to each person. Um, but then knowing that there's a stopping point, right. I think it's helpful to them. Yeah, definitely. I think that's especially with my son, like he's learned, okay, if I do my homework, then I have more time to play. Like he's starting to understand that versus playing and then being cut short of the playing to come in and do the homework. Right. So for your son, that would be the answer, but you know, with all children as systems change, you know, the family system at home, anything, having a baby is going to change the system. Homework is going to change the system. A new job for your, for one of the parents is going to change. You know, there are lots of changes that go on throughout their life and, and learning how to roll with that is really a skill too. And the start of that is just acknowledging, Hey, I noticed that there's a change too. Mm -hmm. Do you feel it? You know, and acknowledging that, talk about it, say it out loud, create the space for him to talk about it with you. Speaking of changes, because I know in this lifetime, well, this, not this lifetime, but in my, like my age, you know, there's divorces that are happening and I, you know, I have friends that are divorcing and they're trying to do their best. What's just like some general tools or tidbits that you could give to kind of keep the households consistent or like what are some of the recommendations you give to clients who are divorced and share kids? So divorce is really difficult. Yeah. And for many, many reasons, but number one being that while you were married, you wanted to stay married. So you had a reason to work with the other person. Mm -hmm. And once you're divorced, a lot of times, not always, I mean, some divorces are great, but a lot of times they're like, I don't have to do what that person says anymore. Right. 
If you can get past that and put the kids first, the best thing to do is to follow a structure. Like I put, you know, when I meet with a family um, and I learn about, I would learn about both households and what goes on there. And then we would have expectations that are the same at both homes okay, and consequences that are the same at both homes. That, this, that structure creates stability for the kids mm-hmm. and that is probably the best thing that they can do for their kids in the divorce because that is when parents are full of guilt mm-hmm. and children will start developing a different dynamic at one house than the other and things get really chaotic. I mean, they really do. And while it may be really exciting to get, you know, a hundred dollar Lego from one parent because they feel bad about something that weekend, Uh it's still better for the child to have the consistency across the board, even if it doesn't fulfill your adult need of being the favorite parent. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So stability across the board. Yeah. I think that's so, that's like, I feel like the overall theme of this is like consistency and stability mm-hmm. and structure, you know, and structure and communication and affection. But you know, well, we, maybe we could talk another time about <laughs> the the overdoing of one versus the other and balancing that out. But that's another thing that I see a lot when I'm working with families is just that imbalance. Yeah. Well, talk to me a little bit about that. Meaning like a parent can be overly affectionate to their child or talk to me a little more. Yes. So, so this is a bigger topic, but, um, but basically when you have all affection, then you're in chaos. Mm -hmm. And when you have all structure, then you're disconnected and that can create insecurity. Um, And so really balancing out both. There are parents who are comfortable more in one realm than the other. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out how to bring, how to incorporate both things is really important for the child. Otherwise you're going to have an issue in your system. Right. Well, I'm already like <laughs> thinking about mine because I'm definitely like that affectionate parent. You know, mm-hmm. it's interesting because like and I'm sure you deal with this a lot. Parenting styles, just even difference between the husband and the wife or like my husband is definitely very consistent as the disciplinary. You know, when he says no, he means it where mom's like, OK, let's talk it out, you know, <laughs> and, and definitely my kids can run one by me. But but ultimately what I like about our parenting styles is like he always backs me up. Like we mm-hmm. never say two separate things. That's key. Yeah. That is key. But we're very different in that. So like how can we like what are some of like the balances that we can do with that? Well, it sounds like you have a good balance with well, your husband. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, if I I think, you know, a unified parental top down kind of structure is really important when when children know that their parents are in charge they know that they're safe mm-hmm. when children are given the opportunity to run amok they will but they feel unstable inside they mm-hmm. feel insecure because they don't have those boundaries and so it sounds like you and your husband actually do have a good balance because they need that affection you want to hold them when they're upset and tell them you love them 
and still they can't have that candy bar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's still no kid. Yes. It, like, this is so hard. I know you want that candy bar. I want that candy bar. I feel you, but it's not going to happen. It's still a no. <laughs> yes. Speaking of candy bars, so like one thing I've noticed is um, my kids having a response to like red dye, you know, mm-hmm. and like just acknowledging that and that's just not allowed. And I am really psycho about like, I don't allow my kids to have soda either because I, I truly see the behavior change in them. And my oldest is to the point where he's like, mom, I had this red drink and I, I don't know what to do with myself. Like there was that moment where I'm like, okay, do you recognize this? Mm-hmm. Do you recommend to any of your parents like, okay, there's foods that we should start incorporating rather than these? Or do you think diet really is important for kids, like what they're eating? I think that diet really is important for kids, but I'm going to go on a tangent from this. Yeah, for go second. for it. So, so this is something that you can put in your toolbox for later on when they're preteens or whatever, when it comes to drugs. Okay. Yeah. Right. Tell me. So you can refer back to this. Hey, you remember how that red dye made you feel all crazy and you were jittery inside and there Mm. really wasn't much we could do until it ran its course. That's what happens when you take drugs and you don't really know how a drug is going to affect you. And so instead of putting something in your body that could make you really uncomfortable for a really long time, Mm -hmm. just say no. Okay. I mean, it's a good, because we all tell our kids like, don't use drugs and you know, they're dangerous and they're addictive and whatever, but but knowing the physical consequence of it to attach it to is really helpful. My daughter has um, severe peanut allergy and eggs also. And when she was younger, I mean, there was just, she wanted cake. She was at a birthday party. I'm talking like two years old, three years old. She wants cake. Well, I would bring her her own. She can't eat it. Um, I mean, their cake, she she doesn't want to eat the cake that I've brought for her. Mm -hmm. And, and so one day she picked up a piece of cake off the floor and she ate it and she started going through anaphylaxis. And, you know, we, the whole thing was under control and she was fine, um, in the end, but I made sure to tell her, you know, this really icky feeling comes from eggs, which are in that cake. Yeah. So choice and consequence and really letting, giving, spelling it out for kids so that they understand that choices have consequences. And I want you to remember that this was the consequence, right? Yeah. That natural consequence. That natural (laughs) consequence. Exactly. So, um, so bring me back to the original, oh, food. Yes. I think that diet is very important. As I was saying before, bananas versus Oreo cookies, um, sugar is like screen time. Yeah. It's addictive. It makes you feel icky, but it feels so good in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so again, I'm sure you're doing this at home from everything I see on, on Instagram anyway. Oh. <laughs> Cause you know, that's real. Oh yeah. Real life. Guys. Real life. <laughs> but you know, you want to role model healthy eating habits mm-hmm. and you can role model also, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to eat red dye either. Cause it makes me feel icky too. Mm-hmm. And, and just kind of setting that communication and that role modeling for them. Yeah. I feel like 
one thing, and I'm not knocking my parents by any means, or specifically my mother, but (laughs) I feel like a lot of the time it was like, no, you can't, you shouldn't have this, or no, you can't do this, and there was no, like, understanding as to why, Yeah, you know, and I feel like that's something that was like, okay, I'm I'm going to explain things, you know, like, really talk, and this is like, I mean, this might be uncomfortable, it's not uncomfortable for me, but, you know, my son's eight, and he's starting to, like, you know, observe my husband and I when we kiss, Mm -hmm. and he's just very interested, and, Mm -hmm. you know, how and I remember like being in fifth grade and knowing like what sex was like you know and having Mm -hmm. friends talk about and even like stuff going on so and that's that age is approaching fast yes it is approaching fast I have more to say on that too but it is and and be getting ahead of it and being prepared is smart but go ahead with your yeah so tell me how can I be prepared where I, I mean, and especially like this is the age where like, you know, I'm not just the only influence in his life. So how do I get ahead of being that influence and like kind of controlling the narrative for now, you know, right? how, how do I start that? Okay. So, so again, tangent, and then I'll answer the question. It's great that you and your husband are role modeling that affection because you're role modeling what what an intimate relationship looks like, that it's not Mm -hmm. just sex. It's also hugging each other or kissing or whatever, you know, cuddling on the couch. Mm -hmm. And that is a really important part of the relationship that kids really get taught more about sex than about romantic love. And so I think that that's great that you're role modeling that. Just talk about it. Say, oh, you know, I love daddy so much and Mm -hmm. I just, I want to hug him because I, you know, or something like that. Yeah. But as far as sex goes, um, there's a really great book called The Guy's Book. The Guy's Book. Okay. Yes. And it's made for kids. um, And it just starts the conversation really easily, really small, like everything else I, I talk about. Um, <laughs> nothing extreme. Nothing extreme. Exactly. We're going to ease into yes. everything. <laughs> I love it. That's, that's what I preach and it makes completely most sense. Yeah. So, so they'll start talking about like, Hey, you know, this is, this is your body and this, these are feelings you might start feeling. Mm-hmm. And this is something called body odor. And they kind of work up to sex. Okay. Um, and so by the time you're towards the end of the book, you're ready for the conversation and you've, you've created this time and space where you have shown your son, Hey, we can talk about this and it's cool. You know, like, yeah, it's not weird. It doesn't have to feel funny. It will feel funny at first, but, but like, it's okay to talk about this. It's okay to talk about that you have body odor, which yeah. is coming by the way. Oh, it it, it's, started, al- it's already happened. <laughs> My husband already like gave that talk to him too. Yeah. It's, I feel like this like transition from like seven to eight, like first to second grade has really been like, psh, like it's here. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so when he starts showing every kid is different again, but when he starts showing signs that he's picking up on stuff or interested, then that's when you start having the conversation. Okay. Some kids start really young at like six. They want to know. Yeah. Wait, what's going on? That doesn't make sense. Where does this come from? But, and then some kids are much older. They're 11 or 12. Uh-huh. But um, again, this is a whole other tangent for maybe another day, but, but the average exposure to pornography now 
is 11 years old. So crazy. It's crazy. And it's not the Victoria's Secret catalog. Oh yeah, I know. It's whatever they found on the internet and it is graphic and it's hard because they're only 11 years old to understand what is going on? Why are these people doing this? Why are there pictures of it? Mm-hmm. What is happening? And so getting ahead of that, if you're laying the groundwork to have those conversations with him just about his body and about his feelings, because they go hand in hand, then you're, you're more equipped and he'll be more equipped to talk to you also when that happens. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, I knew this was coming because it's like... <laughs> Yeah, it's how opening yourself up to him to be that person that we can have these conversations and it's not, you know, shameful or like you, you can't talk about it. So the guy's book, I am ordering that today. (laughs) What are some other books that you could just throw out there for like us parents that are good ones? Oh, there's, um, if I can remember the titles correctly, there's, uh, the, the blessing of a skinned knee. Okay. The blessing of a skinned knee kind of about that, not, you know, letting your children experience life, experience struggle Mm -hmm. and getting them through it, that kind of thing. Um, gosh, there's so many great books for parenting. Um, if you have a baby, I think that the baby whisperer is a really great book. Baby whisperer. Okay. I'm getting that. What is that about? (laughs) So the baby whisperer kind of tells you this basic, structure to keep your kids on so that you're flexible and they can move with your life. It's Mm -hmm. that you're their easy method is eat activity, sleep, and you time. Okay. So you can, it doesn't matter as much that like at 7am you're doing this and at 10am you're doing that. It's more just keeping that rhythm. So again, for your child, even as a baby, they have a predictability, which creates security and no anxiety. So yeah, so you, you know, nurse them or feed them or whatever you do. You play a little bit, even if, you know, when they're little, it's like two minutes, you know, that you're playing, you're lifting their arms up or, you know, tickling them or whatever. And then you start transitioning them to sleep. And, and that when they're sleeping, of course, that's, that's the you time. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm going to need me time. It's funny because like, I think we're all guilty of it with the first child, you know, we can be very structured and, you know, Mm -hmm. we create this world for this child. Yes. And then every child after that, they're coming into this world. So I I can't even imagine the third. (laughs) (laughs) They'll be so resilient though. (laughs) It's funny. I mean, I, I truly believe in like, birth order and stuff like it's so apparent where it's like I saw a TikTok about like the first child well even like my son like he'll come out in the morning and be like good morning mom and then my youngest will be like naked coming out of the room like already going for the cereal or some just like two completely different yes yes well and because the way you parented them when it was just your oldest you would say good morning and how are you and with your youngest you're like yeah just grab some Cheerios over there just make sure you eat okay here's a lollipop I know go put on some pants yeah. <laughs> it's so true so tell me where we can find you for people that are listening that are out of state do you offer virtual yes okay. I do I do work with families virtually um so my website is harmony at home coaching.com that and my and on Instagram at the kid coach Lakeland or Facebook at the kid coach Lakeland is where you can find me and you can if you don't remember 
my website and you're on Instagram, then you can go to my link tree and get to my website. Yeah, the kid coach and just think we all need it. I have enjoyed this so much. I feel like I have new tools to start. So Jody, thank you so much for joining. And this has been another episode of the Invest Your Best podcast with Allie Kay. 